0: We're back with another episode of the Free Basketball Grizzlies edition, and we are headed to the playoffs, kind of, maybe? Playoffs? We're heading to the the play-in, for sure. Uh, The guy that you hear is the OG of free basketball, and because... Of these play-in matchups, I hope there's at least – well, you know, well, I hope there is at least two. I almost said there's one, but no, that'd be bad. hope there's at least two. So, I hope there's two episodes of me and Ryan uh, kind of breaking down the matchups. Uh, and so, let's go ahead and bring him in. Ryan Meadows. What's up, Ryan?
1: Doing fine.
0: Feeling great on this Monday evening.
1: Um, I've bounced back from the game yesterday against the Warriors. Whoa. So, I'm not quite as upset. So, yeah. uh, clear head. Ed or was it clear mind full hearts what was that movie quote I can't remember
0: but clear yeah. mind full hearts can't lose yes
1: yeah, so that's how be. I feel about the Grizzlies going into Wednesday night
0: yeah I um <laughs> it was pretty funny because I wanted to record Sunday night but I was kind of irritated and I was like you know what let me free my mind and let me think about this as I wouldn't say a media member because we're not we're still fans but we're bringing content uh, I want to bring a actual a fresh mind to it instead of being one that's kind of irritated. Um, but that's why we're recording tonight, so we can kind of break down this matchup. So what we're doing is we're going to kind of break down the entire matchups between the Grizzlies and the Spurs, and it's going to be consist of you know telling you a little bit about how their season series went, as well as continuing on through you know any kind of weird quirks uh, that these teams have. How can these get the advantage. Um, and then we're going to tell you how the Spurs can win, how the Grizzlies can win, uh, and then break it down with our predictions on who we actually think will win and what the scores and stuff like that will mean. So we'll kind of do all that. Um, and and I, let's go ahead and get into it a little bit. I'm your host. Um, as always, I didn't introduce myself, so I'll do it now. I'm Daniel Greer, um, and we are part of the lead sports media. I usually do this by myself, but then you started chirping in. So I was like, you know what, let's just roll. Um, I'm gotten so used to being by myself now. Um, but let's do something. Uh, we'll kind of bring it back a little bit. We've done this before with Brian, so we're only got one question, but we want to do a clutch time because it's the Grizzlies edition. So why not? So Brian, oh. we're gonna do one clutch time question. You ready? Okay. Yes. All right. Give me your favorite, personal favorite Grizzlies player of all time. I need yours.
1: Uh, I know your stipulations. Usually you say, keep it short and sweet, but I'm yeah. going to have a little bit of a story
0: to this. Okay. Oh, um, you know, Mario, so, the story. Oh, oh. <laughs> if it's a good story, you tell it. If it's a bad story, keep it to yourself. So this better be good. I think this is a good story. Uh, uh, we'll, we'll, we'll be so, the judge of that. So back in the day, as
1: a young adolescent, um, when the Grizzlies first came to Memphis, I was their biggest fan, and I was such a big fan that I painted my room in the Grizzlies colors at the time. And yeah. my mom actually allowed me to do it. Yeah. Um, uh, but I have to say, my all time favorite Grizz from back in the day when I was a young player, which doesn't make sense, was James Posey. <laughs> I think he was only in Memphis for like two seasons, yeah. two or three seasons. But for some reason, I love James Posey. And I believe he wore a headband. And I don't know if it was just growing up and one culture. Um, you know, the baggy shorts, headbands were cool. I thought James Posey was really cool. And I loved James Posey. So, my personal all time favorite grizzly. To get to that long story, um, in my youth, I have to go all the way back to my youth, it's James Posey. It's my all-time favorite Grizzlies
0: player. <laughs> wow. I, I would have so I never... was very happy
1: to see him go on <laughs> and win a championship with the Celtics.
0: <laughs> right. I would have never imagined I believe that. it
1: was the Celtics.
0: Uh, Maybe it was the Heat. I can't remember. I thought it was the Heat. Because it he might joined, have been the Heat. He I can't LeBron. remember anymore. Yeah. Uh, wow. Wow. I never <laughs> would have thought James Posey. Wow. <laughs> um, no. All right. Well, hey, that's a good story. I like it. Um, old shout out Jerry West. <laughs> shout out, baby. Um, mine is. I don't uh, know if my mom still has that signature or that letter, huh. but I, I should probably find that.
1: I, yeah. I, obviously, it's not worth anything, but he hand wrote it and yeah. signed it. I mean, of course, it could have used his secretary possibly, but it seemed genuine enough
0: to me at the time to be like really excited about it. I hope you go back and see it's all like completely just print. You know, it's just like a fake signature that you print that's it's automatic to it's print. Um, or it's like very obvious female handwriting right. with like a flower
1: over the over an eye, you know, something like or a heart.
0: <laughs> <laughs> XOXO. XO jerry west it's my mom's
1: <laughs> handwriting it's like mom jerry west is also handwriting all of our letters
0: to everything what's happening here so. man that would be the ultimate we have to know okay did your mom actually just write that <laughs> i want to know that that uh, is I have to ask her. Uh, that is awesome um well <laughs> well mine I, I have no stories um i'm a duke i'm a duke fan uh my ultimate Favorite Duke player, favorite player of all time was probably Shane Battier. Loved that guy. Um, He's probably my favorite Grizzly, I would say, just because I loved him in college. But if it was only Grizzly, I didn't have any ties to a college or anything. uh, I would have to go right now with Jonas Valanciunas, and I don't know why, Mm. but I love that guy. He just screams (laughs) – um uh, animal he screams grizzly bear like he's he's just that dude and i always put the hashtag uh lithuanian swag you know he's a, he's he's a swag king uh but no i loved him especially <laughs> that last dunk he had um uh who, who was it was it against the uh, sacramento kings i think when he had that bobbin head and uh after he'd done it and he held his hand um, uh, man. Yes. God. Brevin. loved that. Brevin. Knight love that. Um, uh, man, that's so good. Um, all right. So that's, that's our story. Time. That's our clutch story time at least. Uh, but let's go ahead and get into the matchups. What everybody's kind of here. Um, maybe they are really only here for our clutch time stories. I don't know, but, uh, we're going to go ahead and keep going in. Um, you're welcome. Yeah. Yeah. Welcome people. All right. So the Grizzlies and the Spurs have played three times this year. Uh, February 1st, uh, the Grizzlies beat the Spurs 133-102, and then January 30th, 129-112. to And I do believe the first game of the season, uh, December 23rd, it was San Antonio 131, Memphis 119. So I went, the, I went in backwards. Um, I'm sorry, it's just the way I read them, but um, Memphis took the first L early on, but January, uh, January, and then February first, back to back. The Grizzlies took that. There's, there's really no way to com- to use those into how these teams are, and that's why I want to share those, but also say that yes, those are important, and the Grizzlies do have that, you know, tiebreaker <laughs> advantage. They want two or three, but looking back on it, February 1st was a long time ago, and. These teams are completely opposite, uh, completely different. There's no LaMarcus Aldridge on this team. Um, And so you're going to see Gorgie Jang again, which is going to be weird. Um, But he was the actual high scorer on February 1st for the Grizzlies. (laughs) So if you go back to then, you'll see that. And that's just just funny to me. Um, And so uh, these teams have been playing well. And then they kind of took a dive and then the Grizzlies finally bounced back to win those five straight before they lost uh, against against the Warriors. Um, But San Antonio is now on a four-game losing streak. I don't know if that has anything to do with this matchup because in a one-game sudden-death matchup, I think that all goes out the window. I think you're starting fresh because in the end, they had nothing to play for. They weren't going to (laughs) get caught by the Pelicans and they – the Sacramento Kings. So uh, I throw that all out the window is to say that this will be a very good game and we're going to go ahead and break it down. So Ryan, I'm going to throw it to you. What kind of game notes or what kind of notes do you have uh, about everything? Because I, 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 believe that this mashup uh, will be a good matchup. So what, what do you have? You have anything on that?
1: So, before I get into that I do I did have remarks about the previous matchups that we had okay. against the Spurs okay. um, Jonas Jonas found did not play in both of the Grizzlies wins and the oh he did play in the opening night where we got blown out um, but we shot poor or league average 37 percent for us is right at our mark for the year maybe a little above we shot 35 37 percent from three. The two games where Jonas was out, we shot 50% and almost 48% from three. So the Grizzlies during this time without Jonas were more run and gun, more open on the court. Brandon Clark was playing more minutes. Um, and like you said, Gorgie Dane was filling in for that spot for JV. So back then, I feel like we were a much more up-tempo type team because we kind of had to. We didn't have that anchor in the middle and JV. Um, so I think that's why you saw such lopsided wins, and it was a back-to-back. Um, so they played thirties in the first. It's a back-to-back. And the one I look to um, is actually the game that they played last year in the bubble, August 2nd last year. That game, the reason I bring it up, because it features essentially the same starting laps that we're probably going to see on Wednesday. And the Spurs won that game 108 to 106. So I know we're going to get into this a little bit talking about matchups. But I think if we were to look at anything as a barometer, we should look back to that August 2nd game last year as to what we could expect to see in this game because it's very similar teams. not a lot of difference. I don't think LaMarcus Aldridge was playing in that game last year either. And it was basically the starters – for the, the Spurs that have been playing lately as the starters that had the same lineup last year. So I get more from, at least when I looked at it, that matchup last year, that 108-106 win, uh, or loss, I mean, for the Grizzlies, win for the Spurs. But I'm also glad you brought up the thing about the four games in a row because I was curious about that too. I was going to bring that up if you didn't. Um, the Spurs actually, like, like to me, it's hard to lose five games in a row as an NBA team unless you're just right. completely tanking you don't care. But as a Spurs who are a 10 seed in the play-in, it's kind of rare for a team like that who has an outside sh- shot of making the playoffs to actually lose five games in a row. Like, to me, that's difficult to do. So I decided to look throughout the season and see if this is an anomaly or something that's reoccurred for them. And they actually lost five games in a row twice this season on two separate times Now, what's kind of different about it is both of those five-game losing streaks, the end of those five-game winning – those five-game losing streaks, game four and game five, were back-to-backs against the Denver Nuggets, who I believe had Jamal Murray at the time, and the Utah Jazz. So they also had two separate four-game losing streaks in the season. Both of those times were not on back-to-backs against good teams – And they turn around and won that fifth game both times. The teams they played in those two games were the Los Angeles Clippers and the Chicago Bulls. So I I don't know if you can say it's a back-to-back. The reason they lost five games is because it was the quality of teams in the Denver Nuggets and Utah Jazz. But the two times that they lost four in a row, they immediately won the next one against the Clippers and the Bulls. So I don't know if you can read super into that at all. But I find that tidbit at least interesting because it, it's hard for me, like to me to see an NBA team lose five games in a row, but this is moving into a playoff situation. Winner takes all kind of stakes. Um, so I, I, you said you don't really read into it. I don't super read into it either, but I think it's interesting and something that could be considered considering these teams have blowouts all season and nothing close. But last year, when it mattered, it was an ultra-close game. So, take what you will from that, I guess.
0: Yeah, yeah, I, um, I just throw a lot out of the window when it comes to playoffs because um, it, who knows? If you look at the last few games of the Spurs, they've set different people – uh they they've extended their bench um even the last game that they didn't necessarily need against the Suns, it was 123 121 well if you look at that box score there's so many people that actually played in that game i want to say there's probably 12 to 13 people that probably played in that game and patty mills didn't even play he was the only one that's got a dmp with rest so um I don't, I don't know what to make of that, uh, and that's why I throw it out the window. Because who knows if they were just trying to get rest, and they knew that they could tank. Because literally, the Pelicans were tanking; uh, they lost four in a row, uh, and then the, and then we knew that the King, they knew Kings were playing the Grizzlies, who needed a win, so the Grizzlies were going to play. You know, so I, I don't know if you can take that, but, um, but let's go ahead and get into the notes and the kind of game that it is. So, uh, what, what tidbits or notes do you have on this game?
1: So a lot of my matchup stuff is basically for both teams (laughs) because I think both teams are very similar and have the similar attack plan that they want, right? So the Grizzlies want to absolutely live in the paint and so do the Spurs, except theirs is actually just from anywhere inside the three-point line. So a, a high percentage of scoring for the Grizzlies. I mean, I think they're the highest paint scoring team, like almost 50% of the Grizzlies points come from the paint. The Spurs are in the top seven teams that want to score from the paint too. 43% of their points come from the paint. Um, The Spurs score a lot of their points off of mid range and the Grizzlies don't. Uh, So in those two blowout wins earlier in the season, that was the high variance, right? Like the the Grizzlies shot the three point extremely well in those two games in that back-to-back 48% and 50%. And that's basically the difference. So in a playoff type situation with JV where it's more slowed down because he needs paint touches, I think that's going to be the difference in the game, right? Is who's going to be able to hit enough threes when they're open, if they're open to create the separation like so i have more notes but it kind of it, it this might seem dumb but to me it's like the race to 100 points first game
0: okay
1: and you know most times when you're in a rock fight you're like okay first to 80 wins yeah but i, I think it's whichever these teams get to 100 points first is the one that's going to win the game because i think this is going to be a nip and tuck game Um, I think it's going to be a slower grinded out. I don't expect a super up and down high flying game. Um, and I think it will be low scoring. So like other things, especially for the Grizzlies keys to me is obviously they can't stall out. Every, we know how Jaws going to be defended. Josh should know how he's going to be defended. Yeah. Taylor Jenkins should know who's, how he's going to be defended. They're going to flatten out on a screen. His man is going to go under the screen, and they're going to try to prevent him on the perimeter, and they're going to let him shoot. So the issue is: is Jaw going to settle, or is he going to attack? Right. So I mean, if if he plays, and, and the big difference for me is, uh, what was it? Yesterday, Sunday, um, against the Warriors, he was petrified of Draymond Green, like he yeah. still had nine assists but he would not go at Draymond. You watch that game. Every time he had Draymond and an ISO one-on-one going on a lane, he stopped. He would backpedal. He would not go all the way and try to finish. So I don't think there's a Spurs player that jaw is actually afraid of. So, I mean, Jakob Pertl is their center mm-hmm. and he's averaging almost two blocks a game, yeah. but I don't think jaw is afraid of him. So matchup wise, Deontay Murray, I think it's going to be a great matchup. Deontay Murray kind of respected for being a great defender. I don't think he's like a super defender, Uh, but I think that's kind of the biggest thing that we should watch for is, is Deontay Murray getting the best of Jaw, or is Jaw putting Deontay Murray in a torture chamber? At least that's like some of my thoughts. And then it's basically matchup wise with Dylan. I assume Dylan's going to, Guard Demar Derozan, correct. And is Demar just going to torture Dylan in the mid post? Is he going to get in foul trouble? Um, and then if we keep the same kind of lineup, I mean, who's Triple J going to guard? Because they're rolling out starters: Giante Murray, Lonnie Walker, Demar, Keldon Johnson, Jakob Pertle I mean, is Triple J going to guard Keldon Johnson? That say- leaves Kyle Anderson. If Kyle Anderson starts, he's guarding Lonnie Walker. Yeah. So there's a lot of interesting things. I don't know if I I think Desmond Bain had some good games against the Spurs and I think Taylor Jenkins trusts him more, but I don't know if he trusts Desmond to start over Kyle Anderson. No,
0: I I don't think we see a change in starting lineup at all. Uh, I think it is what it is. Um, at this point, there's no reason to get cute. If that makes sense. Um, Desmond Baines actually has some really good games where he's been coming off the bench um, and kind of fills that role as needed. And I would actually like to see the Grizzlies shorten that bench a little bit uh, during these playing games, just for the fact of I think Jaw needs to be on the court, and then when he's not on the court, use Tyus Jones um, with uh, you know a purpose, like get these you know minutes, but also understand that. If he's playing well, keeping him in the game for an extra two minutes only benefits Ja unless it's the fourth quarter. If it's the fourth quarter, if Tyus is playing well and they're they're rolling, you you possession by possession is what you're watching. You see anything weird kind of roll? Where all right, let's go ahead and get Ja back in. But if it's the second quarter, start of the second quarter, and Tyus has got the the team rolling, the team's playing well. There's no reason to mess with it. There's no reason to get to make subs at that moment when the the team stalls out and doesn't look like they had the flow because it is a completely different style of offense when it is Tyus Jones. Rolling. He is a very much a kind of keep the ball moving side to side. Everybody gets their shots. It's more of a cut through offense. Well, when Ja plays, it's very much a high pick and roll and shoot to the basket with a kick. And so I, I think, with the difference of the offenses, I I think it does benefit the Grizzlies at times, but it all depends on who Tyus has with him. If he has people that can roll to the basket well and get to that kind of that free throw line area, I think that he can be very, uh, very successful. uh, In any game, but especially this game. So um, I'm curious what they do. If they do shorten um, uh, you know, any kind of the bench at all, because D'Anthony Melton, has not played well in a couple weeks now. Do you think that he should be left out of the lineup going just in these play-in games?
1: No, I don't. Okay. I I would continue to play him just like I would continue to play triple J. Um, I mean, everyone's given up, maybe not given up on triple J, but like they've tried to put him in different places, like come off the bench. Now you're starting. Okay, you had a big game. You had a bad game. Here you go back to the bench. I think that's kind of messing with his confidence a little bit. And I mean, he's only played. I think this will be his twelfth game this year. Um, so I, I I don't know how long it would take for a player to kind of get going, um, especially for an extended, you know, injury quote unquote. If he had a full injury thing the whole time, I would assume he did because I felt like if he was good to go, they'd brought him back earlier, but, um, I think you have to stick with Melton like you do with triple J just for confidence sake, because like we said all year, this is a young team. They're ahead of schedule. There's no reason to shake the faith of them for the sake of winning a a playing game to maybe potentially be the eighth seed. Like I think long-term, that's just a mistake. So, They just re-signed Melton. He's had good moments. He is in a lull, sure. Yeah. Just like Triple J is. um, But you have to ride with those guys. You just have to. Like, there's a point. There is is a point where you cannot have these roster overturns, and that's what threw off the Grizz, you know, a month and a half ago with bringing Triple J and Justice back. They're trying different things because they have the bodies now, and I get it. But at a point you kind of just have to stick with your gut and just go with it. Um, so I, I th- that's why I think Triple J should keep starting, quit bringing him off the bench. If he struggles, he struggles. Like In the long run, I don't think it really matters. I think that it's better for his confidence level if he's not being pulled and playing different game to game based on his previous performance if that makes sense.
0: Yeah, if you look at his – like, he's been starting, I think, the last three games, I believe. Um, and last game, he put – you know, at 31 minutes. So, he's on the floor. I think that he needs to be almost more, uh, like, I guess, spot minutes, uh, maybe lessen the 10-minute stretches, uh, maybe to keep him, like, closer to a seven, eight-minute mark and then get him that quick rest just because I don't think he's – I don't think his body is there yet. He doesn't have the full stamina that you would normally have at this point in the season, Um, and I think he will. I just think he needs more time, and so uh, I'm curious if they kind of work on his minutes restrictions on how long he's in there at a time because I feel like he does get lazy, and if you see when he gets lazy, it is really – and he starts shooting the three ball more, and that will play into the hands of the Spurs – and, I, and we'll talk about the, the more the keys uh, to that and how I think each team wins. But I do believe that he needs to take less threes. Um, I think five is a good number for him. Um, and if he's, you know, two for five, I'm okay with the six one and seeing what happens. But when you're one for, you know, one for five, there's no reason to shoot two more, right? And so I believe that needs to lessen a little bit. And this, this Grizzlies team, has the size to completely dominate the paint in this in this matchup and I, that's why i would not at all change anything at all with this lineup uh, i do like the fat, fact of keeping melton in this lineup for for this game for sure and if he plays well then if, and if you get a win then you know, obviously against whoever the next matchup is then you roll with him but if he doesn't play well again Maybe you look at making some transitional changes uh, the next game and seeing what actually could happen because he hasn't looked so – he hadn't looked hot lately, but I don't want to give up on him just yet. Um, but do you uh, do you have any more notes on this or do you want to get into uh, how each team can kind of win a little bit? Um, we can go ahead and get to uh, each team
1: because I, I have a player that I think is – a. a Basically, the most important player of the game. I think he's an indicator of if he plays well, I think the Grizzlies win. But I'll kind of save it. I'll save it towards the end we do kind of a prediction stuff if you're planning on going that route.
0: Yep, we're going to do predictions. Uh, So let's go ahead and uh, let's start off with the Spurs because they are the visiting team. How do the Spurs win this game? The
1: Spurs win this game if they get to the free throw line. And specifically, DeMar DeRozan. Um, The win at the beginning of the season, when they blew us out, DeMar scored 28 points. He was 14 of 15 from free throw line. Wow. So, if 28, so he scored, you know, 14 other points from just regular basket, half his points were free throws. So, if he can get into foul trouble, We know that uh, what that does to Dylan Brooks. It completely messes with Dylan Brooks' mind. Dylan Brooks either goes completely passive or what he seems to do lately is he goes way too aggressive (laughs) and he gets upset about it. Like he thinks he's being robbed. And when Brooks, when Dylan feels like he's getting robbed, he's a liability on offense because he thinks, all right, like I'm going to get mine now. Uh, So to me, the biggest thing is, DeMar obviously has to get it going from mid-range. And if he can get to the line attacking, that'll put a lot of pressure on the Grizzlies, especially their bench, because we know Triple J right now coming back is foul happy. He always has been. Yeah. Um, he can't stay out of foul trouble. He's a walking five foul personal fouls a game right now. And if you can get in Dylan Brooks' head with foul trouble, then it puts a lot of pressure on the bench to produce. Um, and that's why some of these players and especially one I'm going to mention later is of the utmost importance. So obviously it'd be great for the Spurs if they could knock down some threes. I mean, they just don't shoot a lot of them or make a lot of them. Their best three point shooter, I believe is Lonnie Walker. And he shoots 35% from the three point line. I mean, that's league average. Um, so they're just not a great three-point shooting team so the spurs are going to rely on the old faithful of motion offense and when that stalls out if it does then it will be Demar iso and if Demar can get the grizzlies db and triple j coming on weak side in foul trouble it's going to put a lot of pressure on the grizzlies so i think that's where the spurs have to win this in a close game it's going to have to be from the free throw line
0: yeah um I think how the Spurs win this is – and there's a couple different ways that I think that they need to have everything kind of hit. And it's not because they're not as good of a team as the Grizzlies. They are. But they don't have the athleticism. They don't have the shooting. They don't don't have a lot of things that the Grizzlies do have. But what they do have is they have Greg Popovich. And I think that Greg Popovich can absolutely out-coach Taylor Jenkins down the stretch. Mm. And – with that kind of yes if you don't let it get to the fourth quarter and it's a you know a three or four point game then that's kind of then that takes pretty much one bullet out of their chamber and that lessens them to who they are so um i think making sure that we kind of get up early is very good that way we can kind of control the, t- the tempo as the grizzlies But if not, the Spurs can absolutely control this game and get it more into the mud. And, yes, the Grizzlies can play the grit and grind style with JV and all that, but the Spurs want to play it in the mud for the simple fact that they have a very good coach and they have vets. And when you have a good coach and vets, when it gets down down to clutch time, then realistically, I'd almost bet on the Spurs than I would the Grizzlies because when you have a vet and you have a great coach, a Hall of Fame coach such as Greg Popovich, That's where it comes down to. But uh, part of the game, you really need to hit open shots. Uh, The Grizzlies have allowed, I do believe the last 11 games, they've allowed somebody off the bench to score 15 or more points. And that's a crazy stat. And that just shows that you have two vets with Patty Mills and Rudy Gay that both shoot three-pointers and that both can honestly get hot. That's what they can't have happen Is a key member on the bench, come out and get hot. If you look at that Warriors game, the only reason the Grizzlies did not win is because they allowed Jordan Poole, Jordan Poole, to get hot during those (laughs) little small stretches and kept the momentum in favor of the Warriors. The Grizzlies could have taken off at some moments only because of Jordan Poole, did they not ever get any separation or get a lead or anything is because of that simple fact. So the Grizzlies need to make sure that they don't allow that. But the Spurs can absolutely win the game if they shoot well, they shoot efficient, but also just kind of getting somebody off the bench and give them a little bit of boost because I do believe that the Grizzlies starters can dominate the Spurs starters. So they need that to happen. So that's a little bit of different things to happen, but I believe that that possibly could happen. Uh, Anything else on the Spurs?
1: yeah i this is where it kind of bleeds in for both the spurs and the grizzlies right the the grizzlies obviously don't want to do this the spurs want to turn grizzlies into this and the spurs want to turn the grizzlies into an iso basketball team yeah
0: um the the
1: the grizzlies are at their best when they're running motion plays pin downs screens away staggers curls off staggers um when they sit there and they just look at jaw or they just stare at, you know, whoever it is with the ball, D'Anthony Melton, um, whoever gets at the top of the key, and just say, "Okay, do something." Uh, that's where the Grizzlies get in a lot of trouble, and that's when you get a lot of Dylan Brooks putting on yes. the cape. Yeah. Um, <laughs> let me shoot this. Let me shoot this running fadeaway on my offhand floater, 16 feet from the basket, while flailing. Um, <laughs> and i hate look his leg spread kick thing on every <laughs> shot drives me nuts like it drives me nuts like dude just keep your legs together why do you have to do that like i just it's one of the most annoying player a grizzlies an annoying thing a grizzlies player does but on opposite of that grizzlies cannot do that the spurs have to turn them into an iso basketball team the grizzlies a very high percentage of their shots come from assisted field goals. Um, And that's just backs up evidence. If you're watching this team, you followed them all year. The best we played is when their shots come off of assists, and they're at their worst. When most of their shots are like, like, especially I just watched the film again. Like I've kept a lot of games from the season. I've been going back and watching a lot of them. Like I just recently watched the bad loss against the Pistons and the Grizzlies won't take the Spurs this way because it's a playoff, but when the Grizzlies, a lot of the times, what I've noticed in when Brevin Knight, you know, they're doing the keys for the game, Mm -hmm. all of them are about focus. (laughs) Right. And all of them are different words for focus. Like, one one game it said focus, the next game it said professional attitude, and then the next one it was like showing up with a purpose. Like, those are all the same thing. Like... (laughs) These are all things that we notice. Like they're not showing up to put teams away that they should put away. So like in the Pistons, they turned ISO because they think the Pistons suck. And the Pistons are just going to roll over and let them get right. whatever they want. So they turn into this shoot within four seconds of the shot clock and get out of their rhythm of running through offensive motions. So I think if the Spurs can trap them into that, and th- then they're going to have a great chance of winning the game, but also staying in it because I think on the opposite side, well, we'll wait. If we're getting the Grizz points, I'll just wait. I'll say that for the Spurs.
0: Well, I was going to uh, go ahead and um, blend it on and transition straight to the Grizzlies because I have a good takeaway. I love that because that is very good uh, because if you can make the Grizzlies play ISO basketball, then you pretty much limit what they're good at and that's flying around and making plays. And letting Jaw get to the rim, and you then know that Jaw is going. He's going to shoot some threes if left open, but at what mark? Like he's not going to be at a high mark. So um, I'll go on the other side of the ball with that. I'll go take the Grizz uh, because I do have a, a, a kind of an idea. If you watch these past games, um, a lot of it is uh, JV coming to to pick at a, at, at the high uh, the high arc, the three point line, wherever you want to call it. Um, And that's where they usually do their two-man game. And it's mainly just opening up and holding that defender to switch the defender to give Ja usually an easier guy to either go by or just to kind of create chaos. And so um, I like that, and I I think that will continue to happen. But two different points to that. One, what they did is with with, uh, Jaron Jackson Jr. is they came and gave a double pick. And so it was literally – Jaren Jackson Jr. wasn't next to JV. He was behind JV, picking JV's guy. Because what that does is he, JV, comes up and picks for Ja Morant. Ja Morant goes around. Jaren Jackson Jr., in the meantime, come back and picks for JV, his guy that just switched to him. So it's kind of utter chaos. So that allows Ja to kind of have more chaos, which then that allows him to get to the rim. But what happened is – JB just cut straight to the basket. Jaw kind of cut towards the basket, looking for the lob. Those two or three defenders kind of collapsed on the paint. That left Jaron Jackson Jr. to come out for an open three at the, uh, at the top of the key. That is really what you have to do. You kind of have to get creative and do different things. And, yes, does that work every time? No. But every now and then, why not? It gives a different look. So I think they need to work on getting a different look, especially if they're getting forced into ISO basketball. Uh, but also the other thing is that we you see with Ja Morant, what people will do is slack off. So when the pick does come from JB, and, it, and it's going to be for pur- pur- uh, he's going to come and he's going to probably hedge toward the paint. What needs to happen is Ja needs to get the ball and just go right away. The more you hesitate, the more that that pick does nothing for you. So if he's able to actually go and get towards the rim, then he has a better chance to create something. But at that point, if Pirtle plays good defense, and he's a decent defender, what he needs to do is go towards Pirtle, and if he stops him, he needs to go towards the short corner where there should be another defender. And at that point... I don't know any defender who's not going to turn around and try to help out Pirtle because he's, John Morant is literally three feet from you. So at that point, what that does is that pulls that defender's attention for the short corner jump down. It should be a wide open three to Desmond Bain, DeAnthony Melton, Dylan Brooks, Kyle Anderson. Okay, so you have that action happen. Well, guess what? If you're going and doing the exact same thing, Well, if you look at the weak side defender, sometimes they get lost in moving around. That's when backdoor cuts happen. And that's when Jaron Jackson Jr. can get more to the rim because it pulls the center away from the basket. So there's a lot that could happen. I just wish Ja would not hesitate. And I wish he would go towards another defender because if you don't have a shot going towards another defender is actually a good thing because you make that defender pay attention to you. So then, that dump out and then kick to a three, and as we all know, Kyle Anderson has done well at that. Uh, Desmond Bain and even John Conchar has been a very good shooter in that short corner. We don't see Conchar, uh, so we won't better get jitty with it.
1: <laughs> He's the Grayson Allen <laughs> He
0: Yes, he is the Great White Hope.
1: No, I I completely agree with you because. Obviously, if you watch last night's game, if you watch it again, teams have been doing this for most of the season. If they're not, they're stupid, and they get destroyed by the Grizzlies. Um, but it, there is a ton of help, and everyone's going to go under a JV screen. Um, and that's why this is what the big difference to me about playing the Spurs and playing the Warriors is they had Steph on Ja, which to me should just be layup city right right but it's not about the man on the ball like everyone's obsessed a lot with on ball defense and everybody loves it Um, but it's the NBA and it's very rare to just be able to clamp down someone on the perimeter Um, and the Spurs aren't going to have that kind of player I know everyone thinks Deontay Murray is that type of player and he's long and he's lanky, and he might poke away a steal or two yeah, uh, but the the, the the Grizzlies aren't bringing guards to come spring uh, screen Jaw because they're just going to switch them. So they're trying to create that little lane for jaw with the bigs. That's why it's mainly bigs or Triple J screening for jaw and not guard to guard, because that switch they're playing so far off that jaw right. can't get his running head start, you know, whereas so with other guards, sometimes they jump hedge. Um, especially Steph gets trapped at everything. A lot of these guards with the hedge, they can split them, Um, but Jaw is just not getting that alley, and the help is it's basically half help from the strong side corner, so you can get in there and kick to the corner, but they're close enough to close out, and the weak side is all the way in there, right? Uh, So like you're talking about plays like just with the motion stuff. I think my favorite play that the Grizzlies run, and I don't... here's what I don't like about today's NBA is, you know, when you talk about stories from teams in the nineties, they would run the same play like 20 times in a row. Yeah. Because the other team could not stop it. Right. The Grizzlies don't do that. Like the Grizzlies run a different play, almost every possession. And like earlier this year, great example is the Clippers. When they played the Clippers and the Clippers didn't have anybody, the Clippers ran the same set at least 15 times once they figured out that the Grizz could not guard it and they absolutely tortured the Grizzlies. Yeah. So there's a couple sets that the Grizzlies have that would work and they have a lot of different options. And I just don't get why they do not run that over and over and over until a team shows that they can stop it. Like, that's like my one thing. And my favorite play they run is like a Spain pick and roll with JV and triple J JV sets a pick. JV rolls up to the top. The big comes with jaw. And the big stays. uh, Triple J's big stays with a rolling JV. So they hit Triple J at the top of the key. And he has the option for a three if he wants. Or he can go dribble handoff to the weak side. And it's usually a curl handoff. We get into lane. And usually Triple J is wide open on an alley-oop. Or we have the layup. Or they overhelp. And then we've got the other. Now, new week side quarter wide open for three. And every time they've run it, it's never been stopped. But we've run it twice a game, maybe. <laughs> so, or sometimes they don't even run it at all. Um, so, uh, it's just go back to the whole stalling out thing. Like, I like sets. Like, if you're a basketball coach, you just like sets because it makes you feel nice because you drew up something pretty, you know? And when it right. works, you feel fantastic. Uh, so I get it. Like it's a new play something, but if you find a play that works against the Spurs, just keep doing it until they stop it. Yeah. So, and the other big thing, like what I said at the beginning with the Warriors, I kind of got off track in a rabbit trail, but with that big, that was helping off of jaw or helping off of JV, it was Kevon Looney and then Draymond behind him. Yeah. Like this one's going to be Jakob Pertle and Keldon Johnson. Yeah. Um, so I I totally expect Ja to be extremely aggressive off of those pick and rolls. I think he's going to get downhill on purpose and intentionally. And I mean, he already has a high turnover rate for the past couple months anyways, like he's a, basically a walking four of turnovers a game right now. Yeah.
0: Um
1: but in this game, I I don't think that matters. Like I think he has to force the issue. Obviously not to be reckless, but They can't sell out. They can't just – he can't be passive using these screens. He can't just settle, like you said, for those threes. If he takes six threes Wednesday, we're in trouble.
0: Yeah, I agree.
1: And even if he makes all six, like even if he makes all six, like he's six for six, we're still in trouble because there's going to be something that happens late where he's going to feel like he's on fire and he's going to shoot two of them. He's going to brick both and he's going <laughs> to <laughs> do his in. Like, so yeah, the, the stalling out is huge for the Grizzlies do not stall out, keep moving, keep running motion. Um, and the other thing is the bench is huge in this game. You cannot have bad quarters. Like you said that Grizzlies have got to get out to a hot start, And I agree with that. And the two blowout wins, they scored 30 plus points each court quor- in the first quarter. Like, they have to get to a good mark in the first quarter and keep their foot on the Spurs' throat. Like, they cannot let off the gas. They cannot take advantage. They cannot take um, – what's the right word I'm looking for? They cannot take um, – You can tell me. Like, if be, you want, you be, be, over, be <laughs> overconfident, you know, that the Spurs right. are just going to lay down. Like, if they build a 10- to 12-point lead, they can't decide to take yeah. a three-position break. Like they have to keep on, they have to keep their foot on the gas. So it's kind of an interesting strategy play. This is where I think the coaches come into consideration because JV, obviously to utilize JV the best, you need to play slower. And that plays right into Greg Popovich and the Spurs hands. So I'm curious if Jenkins is going to look at the previous two games and saw the success they had when they were small and running and see if there is going to be an early switch on subs with a smaller, faster second unit with jaw. Yeah. So I, that's the kind of thing I'm interested by is that's the little chess piece kind of stuff that we should look for is how long is JV going to play for the first quarter? Is he going to play a six minute run? Is he going to run a eight minute one? You know, is he going to run a full quarter like he did against the Warriors? I was wondering. Um, yeah. Those are the think- kind of.
0: The, I was going to say, I think that's what they need to make sure they kind of mimic. I like keeping uh, Ja and JV together and kind of having, uh, I guess, Tyus play more alongside a Jaron and uh, Brandon Clark compared to having JV. I I think JV is good for Tyus, but I think they don't. I think Jaw needs JV more than Tyus needs JV, if that makes sense.
1: Hmm.
0: Yeah, that makes sense because JV
1: gets a lot of his rebounds from, you know, blown jaw layups. Right. On drives. And it opens
0: the lane for yeah. those floaters that come to uh, the top of the, uh, the, the free throw line area. And so I think when you have JV there, it actually hurts. And what they've been doing is they've been rotating the guys in so much. I think what you have is you play JV and jaw together and you sub them out together and you sub Tyus and Brandon Clark in, and just mirror that, as in you know, those are those two that are sticking together. Unless you need to bring Brandon Clark in a few minutes early for JB because you want to limit his minutes compared to Josh. Josh can play an extra three or four minutes total in the game. So maybe you do that, and that way it gets Brandon Clark more more time on the floor. Uh, but for the most part, I would like to not see those two together. And uh, I would even then, I, unless Jaron is playing just great and just playing on fire. I would actually sub in Bain for Jaron Jackson Jr. as the first switch um, in the first sub. Mm. So, um, because I think they're so small, I think it actually changes the, the dynamic. Plus, it allows Jaron to get some extra rest, uh, keeps the longer spurts down, as I said earlier, uh, and that would allow him to flip back and come in and play um, with Brennan Clark and Tyus Jones. So, I think that'd be a good decision to do that. So. Uh, I'm not sure how it's going to go, but like you said, the chess the chess match that between the coaches and how they use their uh, the players is, is going to be great, and that's just being coaches or former coaches. In uh, my part, uh, I love watching that part, um, so I'm excited about that. So, anything else on the uh, on the Grizz that you have going on? Um,
1: basically, they have to own everything inside the three point line. And that's offensively and defensively. Yeah. Um, if 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 they can kind of keep DeRozan at bay on his ISO, if that's throwing a double at him, um, are the rotations going to be there? Are they gonna fall asleep sometimes? I mean, D'Anthony Melton come on the bench just prone to falling asleep on help. Right. Jaw has been Jaw has been particularly bad on help defense and on ball. And he ball watches an awful lot, which is expected for a second year player um so they have to own both offensively and defensively if they're going to win this
0: yeah so that would be kind of my final thing really all right well let's get into uh predictions and wrap this baby in a nice pretty bow give me your predictions on the game i need the total score and i want your mvp who is going to be the standout player this game um, so I think, like I said at the beginning about the August second game,
1: I think this game is going to very much resemble that game, and this time the Grizzlies are on the positive side of this in a win. The fir- the race to 100 points will be won by the Grizzlies, and they'll win the game 109 to 105. Woo. And the MVP of this game, this is this is the X factor to the whole game to me, is this is a player who. We were very, very excited about last year, who I think has been not great this year, has been very up and down. And that MVP has to be Brandon Clark. Brandon Clark should have, he's something that the Spurs do not have, like, and they cannot really defend against. The only thing they can hope to do is just make him that corner three-point shooter, which he is not. Um, so he has been underwhelming this season. He's had a regression. He's changed his shot. His free throws are worse. He's scoring less. I mean, it's only two points less, but he was like a, a 65% effective field goal shooter this year. And this year he was like 53. Um, so I don't know if that's just a prov- positional role change for him or a mix of injuries. And he's been out of lineups, um, but he's something that the Spurs don't have. And in those small ball lineups earlier this season, he absolutely flourished. It's not like he had monster games, but he's just someone on the offensive rebound. They don't have anybody that can match him in athleticism besides maybe Lonnie Walker, but Lonnie Walker is a lot smaller than him. Right. Um, and he just provides a different scoring boost if he gets the opportunity to put the Grizz ahead. And to kind of seal it for them. So I think the biggest indicator that I'll watch for is the early Brandon Clark minutes. And if they are positive, then I think they will be overwhelmingly positive, And he'll be the spark plug to prevail the Grizz to the end. All right. I like it. Uh, what was your score? One more time. 109. 109 to 105. All right, so and I, I know I know everybody's gonna kind of down on this game. They think this is gonna be the most boring game, yeah. um, and I get it. Like the matchups are boring. These teams aren't three point shooting teams. It's not going to be super up and down. I don't think, uh, but I think this is going to be the most competitive game. Um, yeah. And the 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 only reason I see this game getting high scoring is multiple overtimes. And I thought about putting this as an overtime game because I think it could get there. Um, But I just have, you know, towards the end, we're up by, you know, two with 48 seconds left or whatever. And, you know, Demar misses a shot or rims out a 12-footer and then it goes to fouls and all that kind of stuff. So I I don't think it's going to be a fast-paced game the Grizzlies might choose to go fast when they go small. Um, but I just... It's a playoff-type game, and we saw that yesterday against the Warriors. Yeah. Like, that was a playoff game. That was a playoff sure. game. And and Dame had to score, what, 44 points for the Warriors to even get to 113, and the Grizzlies barely got to 101. So, this is going to be playoff game. they yeah played each other a lot they have history together they've seen these matchups the the last four or five these lineups anyways the last four or five games so they're two two teams that know each other very very well and i just don't see anyone running out on the other so not high scoring unless it goes to overtime but i think it will be the most competitive game of these play-ins
0: yeah, a couple of things from that. One, you said Dame, as in Damian Lillard for the Golden State Warriors. That's a whole different world. I don't know oh. what universe <laughs> you're in, but um, I definitely was <laughs> Steph Curry playing. Um, no, I just had to bring that up. But the lines on the Stay game, <laughs> it was around, it was around um, the Grizzlies at minus three as it opened. Uh, it jumped to three and a half pretty quickly, and now it's trending around uh, minus four. So as you said, one hundred nine, one hundred five. Mm. That's right on uh, what Vegas is thinking. The over under, if you had what's to guess, the total? yeah, yeah. Do you what's the over under? What do you think?
1: If I had to guess, based on I do have notes on these teams' last ten games, so I think that's a big thing and that's nerdy to me. Uh, but if I had to guess, I would say Vegas has this squarely at like two twenty one, two twenty two.
0: It's at two twenty two. And yeah, I like. I like you know your... why? Why? Be- because it's
1: standard league average. That's okay. a standard average for an NBA game. You take you average every total throughout the year, even with the games that are one thirty to one forty. It, it still works out every year to be about two twenty two to two twenty four, as a standard total points scored in an NBA game. Wow. So it makes sense that they have it at the bottom end yeah. of the
0: league standard scoring.
1: And I think it's a definite under.
0: Yeah, no, I think it's a definite under. The only thing that's scary about that is uh, overtime. You go to overtime, you're probably going to, you're probably going to hit that 222, uh, And so that's what you're hoping that doesn't happen is you don't go to overtime with that. Um, but I, before I get my prediction, the uh, Golden State Warriors and LA Lakers, uh what's the line on that do you know i have it but i was gonna give you a chance to guess it um i i uh here,
1: here's here's how i'm honestly gonna play this game is i'm gonna play an alternate line for the lakers and it's gonna be in the double digits okay because i i Look, the, the Grizzlies absolutely feasted on the inside, on the Warriors, and they're not going to give any resistance to Drummond and Davis against the Lakers. But instead of playing off of Jaw, are they going to really play off of LeBron James if he's healthy? Of course, I guess that's the caveat. Yeah. Um, like It's LeBron James instead of Jaw Morant. So I think the Lakers are going to absolutely bury the Warriors. And I'm talking about an alternate line of minus 15 and a half to 17 Mm -hmm. and a half. Like those odds are probably going to be plus 350 plus 500, maybe more. And I just think it's not a close game. Like Dame had to shoot 20 something threes and score 44 points just to barely put the Grizzlies away. I know the score doesn't say that, but that if you watch the end of the closer. game when the Grizzlies made a run, when they decided to play, which was ironically when Jaw went out, and Dylan, you know, spearheaded that because Dylan's not afraid of Draymond Green. Um, if 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 DeAnthony Melton makes those two corner threes, we beat the Warriors yesterday. Right. I agree. We do, and I mean we were down by one. He blows that wide open three. Been up yeah. by two. And then we get the next one, and there's the game. You miss yeah. those two threes, like everybody's talking about Dylan being out. Like obviously, that hurt because right. he's the one that spearheaded the comeback. But like De'Anthony Melton makes those two corner threes, we win that game. It just is what it is. Yeah. So now you're going to tell me that the Warriors are just going to have to repeat that performance? Oh yeah, and do better against a Lakers team who is very. Post focused, except it's Anthony Davis, and then also it's LeBron James attacking from the perimeter, and not John ja who who is frightened of Draymond. Like yeah. I just don't think this game's going to be close. So okay. that's what I'm looking for as an alternate okay. line. If I had to guess, the spread is four or five points right now, maybe three. But um, but I, okay, I, I just I would take the Lakers all day. I think it's a blowout. I really okay. do.
0: And the over under
1: uh i would say league average again 222
0: i'd say 224 all right well it's under that it is 219 and a half which is um Ooh. which is crazy that's actually pretty- lower the yeah. grizzlies in the, Sp- the spurs game wow yeah. um and so yeah so I, 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 I take the over on that one <laughs> yeah I, i'm about to say that might be a good over uh bet but uh let me go ahead and give you mine and then we'll kind of get into um if they do win who do you want to face i think that's going to be an easy one but Uh, We'll wrap this up with mine. Uh, I think it's going to be a Uh, 108-102. Such Mm. as yours, it's going to be low scoring, right at the same mark, uh, which would be the under. Um, I just believe that uh, JV has another monster game, and I think he is going to control the game early. And as long as they don't have Steph Curry on their team or in your universe, Damian Lillard, uh, then I believe that the, the Grizzlies can get off to a good start because of JV. So watch for uh first basket. If you're betting first basket bet, I, I believe that you could easily get a JV basket on the first basket. Uh, but I think that this game could be uh JV's like, big calling card. He just had one against golden state. People are paying him attention. Uh, Another good game here uh, where he has a good matchup. I just think the Grizzlies are too good. Um, As you said earlier, you know, they had Kevin, Kevon Looney uh, against JV and then behind him, there was Draymond and he played uh, JV. Okay. But behind Pirtle, it's, it's really, it's Gorgie Jing or Rudy Gay. Like it doesn't matter at that point. So um, I think this is going to be a big game um if you want it to be if they if they would work the, the ball to the post and kick out which jb will do he'll kick it out or he'll absolutely just manhandle the person under the uh, under the basket so i think the the mvp of the game is jb uh and i think it is a 108 102 uh but let's go ahead and hmm. um who do you think wins the game you think it is the lakers easily um if it is not if it's a Warriors win, is that bad news for these Grizzlies?
1: Yes. Okay.
0: <laughs> it's the worst case scenario. Exactly. Is
1: I, I, I want to see the Warriors again because we'll beat the Warriors a second time, which just Will.
0: Yep, I agree. I, I think that, weirdly enough, if, if the Warriors somehow just come out smoking hot behind three-point line is the only way – they have a chance to beat the Lakers because the Lakers can absolutely manhandle them on the inside. They don't have anybody to match up. Draymond Green thinks he's the the best defender in the world, and Jv dropped twenty nine and sixteen. Like literally, come on, like get out of here with that. So that's in another podcast. I hope it's the the matchup <laughs> with the with the Warriors because I have been taking notes on that matchup, and I I can't wait to give uh, a little bit more insight, but. Uh, but Ryan, anything else you have on this matchup before we get out of here?
1: Uh, final thing, just right. one more nerd thing. Nerd Because you know, I can't, I can't help but throw nerd things at you. We know, all we right. Know. We've been, we've been bad at home this year. Okay, right, yeah. Our last ten home games, last ten home games were actually pretty good, six and four. Averaged one hundred and eleven points in those games at home. The Spurs are two and eight in their last 10 games their points scored average in those last 10 games 110 points per game oh so this is going to be a close game it just is (laughs) like you might like this is this is not going to be a blowout um it's going to be a rock fight and there's going to be extremely frustrating moments for us Chris fans don't lose our heads Hope everyone listened to your pod talking about Grish Twitter. Like, if you're wanting to trade Triple J, you're an idiot. Yeah. Like, stop being a fan. I agree. If you're off of JAW, like he's not a top five, top five point guard. He's not. No. No,
0: uh, okay.
1: If if do you think it's time to move on from these players? You're stupid. Like you just are. Yeah. And go find a different team. Go be a LeBron fan. That's what LeBron fans do. They follow LeBron because they can't handle regular basketball teams and growth. Right. So go be a LeBron fan, leave us alone, and uh, enjoy the growth of this young Grizzlies team. Like, just enjoy it.
0: We're here. We shouldn't be. <laughs> right. We should not be here. Uh, I love it, uh, especially, I'll add on that, um, the the hate on Taylor Jenkins is crazy. Um, the guy is coaching <laughs> his butt off. Um, I know that he does have frustrating times, but he's also... And I know the pulling back the curtain on it, there is a corporate, there's a business side of this. Okay. He is the middleman. I'm not saying that he can't do what he wants, but he also has to please two masters. Okay. So just please understand that some of the decisions made throughout the season are not always his, he is molding them and trying to make the best decision with the, the direction that he was probably given. Um, And these Grizzlies are playing way over their head uh, the second year in a row. And I know the expectations will be there next year. Uh, So please give them all a chance. Give them a fair shake. We've had our issues. We've had our injury issues. uh, But I think moving forward after this season, however it may play out, uh, we'll see a different style, a different coach team at times. Um, But in the end, I think he's a player's coach and the players seem to like him. So uh, I won't get all get don't want people getting on Taylor Jenkins as much, but uh, man, that fired me up. I could go probably for another hour with after you just <laughs> laid into the Grizzlies' toxic Twitter, because I hate especially that to talk about Taylor. Yeah, Taylor Jenkins. You know I have
1: thoughts about Taylor. I know, but we'll save them for the we'll save them for the off because yeah. I I don't think they're warranted. I I think he's done really well this year. You know I have future thoughts about Taylor, and that's why uh, we'll wait. to to give those thoughts in the off season but yeah i respect taylor for what he's done this year for what he's been given like they have an embarrassment of riches of role players not spectacular players yeah and they're plus 500 team and if they don't have three bad losses because the players aren't paying attention they're playing the lakers yeah like they're the eight so i think it's a not necessarily miracle but it's kind of spectacular that they're even
0: here. So yeah, you could be the Pelicans. Could be worse. Yeah, yeah exa- exactly. I don't want to be that poverty franchise. <laughs> um, uh, but let's, hopefully, uh, Mikey Shims is listening. <laughs> <laughs> I hope so. <laughs> uh, but let's uh, let's get out of here. Uh, real quick thing before we plug, uh, we will be having um, another. Hopefully, if we if this game goes as we think it will, as we broke it down into Grizzlies win. Uh, Me and Ryan will be back again, uh, dropping, I would think, on Thursday. Uh, The game will be on Friday, so I'd imagine we might record Wednesday night, put it out Thursday morning, uh, and that would be probably our plan. Uh, But hopefully uh, you'll get it Thursday. So if you're hearing this and the Grizzlies win, uh, check out Thursday. We'll try to get this out as soon as possible because we already know our matchups and what our thoughts are if there's something crazy that happens and the Lakers are now the team that the Grizzlies are playing for the eight spot. Um, it might be a delayed a little bit, uh, who knows, uh, because we will be having to watch that game, um, as we probably record that night and we'll probably be so bum fuzzled that we won't know what to say. Um, if it's, if it's the Lakers, I'll probably be drunk. So yeah, yeah. I'll, I need agree. The, I'll need the recovery. <laughs> uh, and also another thing, um, we're going to continue through the offseason, so I hope this isn't the last one, but I always have to prepare. Uh, me and Ryan will be together doing Grizz Edition, and we'll break down uh, the different topics, probably one a month. We'll just kind of keep it rolling a little bit. We might take time off um, after uh, the season, uh, but I'll, you'll definitely hear me come back, You know, whether it's a 10 minutes or less or not. Uh, if you're hanging in for this, good God, thank you. Uh, this has definitely been a long episode, but it's the playoffs, so we got to talk about it. Um, we're gonna keep going, but we're gonna drop one a month is the plan. Whether it's about all about the draft, all about you know the roster, all about you know different things with the Grizzlies. So uh, we want to try to stay on topic and not just kind of ramble. We want to break down one uh, specific thing. But uh, but Ryan, uh, go ahead and give us your Twitter so people can follow you.
1: Yeah, at RG Meadows 11, if you want to follow. The big one is follow Free Basketball at Free Basketball 3. Um, there is a third member. Ooh, He's he's still around. He'll be back. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> shout out to Cody. Yeah. Uh, but, yeah, that's about it. Uh, but just the game breakdown stuff we'll be doing all playoffs, too, even if it's not the Grizzlies we'll be doing um, – you know, kind of game reactions to that all the way through the playoffs and through the championship, and um, yeah, I think that's about it. I think we're going to do a preview of the playoffs when we once we know their actual set with the seating. So, yeah, hopefully we can get Cody back on for that one. I think that one would be a lot of fun. So, yeah, I agree.
0: Uh, Cody's been uh, busy. We'll say he's uh, probably a little yes. over his head and uh, his uh, his job. And so I know he's been busy, so he'll eventually come back. uh, But he's kind of taking a maneuver, a new spot, new thing in life. Um, Kind of when you become the man, you got to answer to many other people. And so he's probably making hard decisions. Uh, But as he said, uh, he will be back at some point. We don't know when Um, he's still here. (laughs) He just doesn't have the availability (laughs) that he used to have. Um, But he'll be back. But Yeah. Uh, follow free basketball, free basketball three. Follow the lead sports media at the lead SM. Follow me at Daniel Greer. Uh, this has been a blast. I hope that we're talking about a Grizzlies win next time, uh, but we're going to keep on chugging along. Uh, if the Grizzlies edition uh, does stop, it's been a great season. Uh, We'll keep going on the NBA edition, as Ryan said, breaking down different games, uh, different matchups, different stuff uh, throughout the entire playoffs. They'll be quicker, so they won't be as long as this one. uh, But we'll break down one more NBA episode, breaking down the playoffs and the matchups coming up soon this week. Uh, So put in a download button for you. We need you to hit it. All right, that's all we got. Thank you for hanging out with us. Thank you, Ryan, for uh, for coming on the special edition of the Grizzlies edition of the Play-In Edition. So many editions. All right, guys Yeah, and girls. it's like a junior, junior, the third, the fourth. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. There's so many. This is just a big edition, okay? Big, big edition. All right, guys and girls. Always a pleasure, Daniel. Yeah, be good. Rep your hood. Be nice and tell your friends.